I'm Steve Lascalzo, and this is The Way. Welcome to the May 2023 This is The Way podcast Star Wars news update. How did you celebrate May the 4th? Uh, Revenge of the 5th and the 6th? Have you watched The Young Jedi Show or Vision Season 2 yet? I know, those are released really early in May, but I have not. I have read online that Visions may already have a Season 3 in development. Season 1 was all anime from Japanese studios. Season 2 left Japan to feature studios around the globe. Season 3 will reportedly feature a mix. I haven't gotten around to watching them yet. I want to start out one at a time, unless they're tough to get through, like a few of the ones were from Season 1. I have been taking a break from podcasting, and you probably already know, if you're waiting for the Bad Batch Season 2 second half recap, that I've been taking a break. I'm just not interested right now in Star Wars content. I love Star Wars, and I imagine I'll muster up something this summer, but my children are already done with school, so it's going to be a lot harder to find time to record audio for shows. Usually, I feel bad about not being as active, but this is really a time where news is light, and so is the desire to create content. <laughs> This month also marked the 40th anniversary of what I feel is the best, greatest, my favorite Star Wars movie, Return of the Jedi. To me, it featured the best story arcs, the best wrap-up to the series as we knew it back then. Uh, It's the first movie I remember seeing, Star Wars movie at least, uh, in the theaters. It it had a big impact on my childhood. I love Return of the Jedi, what it does for Luke, how he appears in the movie. That is my idea of Luke. That's why I was so excited when The Mandalorian Season 2 wrapped up with Luke at at the height of his powers. I just love Return of the Jedi, and May 2023 is the 40th year since that movie has you know been in existence and I just love it. I love it. And if you don't and you think Empire Strikes Back is the best, great. But for me, doesn't get better than Return of the Jedi as far as Star Wars is concerned. Luke, you're going to find that many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. It is time to update you on Star Wars news since the last news update podcast. The Mandalorian Season 3 is in the rear view now, and Season 4 may have production interruptions because of the writer's strike. StarWarsNews.net indicates there will be delays. But post-production projects don't have Writer's Guild issues. If you don't have to do any writing, you don't have any Writer's Guild strike issues. That means the Disney Gallery feature on the third season of The Mandalorian is probably going to keep its June 28th scheduled release date. Will it be several episodes like we saw for Season 1? Will it be two longer episodes like Season 2? Will it be more like The Book of Boba Fett, which had one episode but featured a title that included Episode 1? I have no inside information. 
but we're still a month away. So perhaps as the date gets closer, we'll find out more. Disney just announced the removal of content from Disney Plus in what was represented as a cost-cutting measure, but I don't understand how taking up place on the server costs enough money to be cost-cutting, especially when the projects are done, available to stream, and, I don't know, put on a different streaming platform maybe to make some advertising money? Star Wars content was spared the axe but another Lucasfilm entry was not. The absolutely awful Willow series, and yes, I do mean what I say, I do mean awful from the writing to the acting, not even the visuals could save this atrocious show. It's now not just a canceled show, you know, they, they made a big deal at the end about volume one of three or something. You're not even going to be able to watch the show anymore. It's already done. And the money was already spent on this project, you know, perhaps these canceled projects are being scrubbed in order for them to be sold to other production companies as, you know, an ongoing project. And so you're just removing the obstacle of what do you do about the streaming rights? And then you remove that from the equation because you take them off the streaming services. Now, maybe that entices possible investors. Okay, well, we don't have to say we're taking it off Disney Plus and put it moving it to here. You can just put it on your new service and say, oh, yeah, remember this? We've revived it. You also don't have to report streaming numbers to any of the accountants for the last year of streaming. <laughs> so however long these projects remain idle, you can just say, hey, yeah, once once upon a time it was on our show, our service, and, uh, you know, oh, we don't have those numbers anymore. And I want to repeat, none of the Disney Plus Star Wars shows will be removed in the near future, but this is kind of a little dangerous precedence. I believe at one time, some of the people in charge actually claimed they wouldn't remove any shows that were created specifically for this service. Whether that's true or not, dozens of original Disney-produced shows will be removed, and they have been, and that's not a great sign when the service is less than five years old. Yeah. Now we move on to shows in production like Ahsoka. It's going to debut this August. No date yet, just August. But there have been one or two or three news items since Celebration's big reveals. First and foremost is the passing of actor Ray Stevenson. He played Volstagg in Thor, and that's where Marvel and Star Wars fans might recognize him most easily. But he was in a lot of other projects. He was set to take a turn as a villain in the Ahsoka series before passing on May 22nd of this year, 2023. He will not get to see reaction from the public to his portrayal of Balin Scroll, a former Jedi turned to the dark side allied with Grand Admiral Thrawn. That is the synopsis of his character from an internet article on the day of his passing. I don't consider that a spoiler because his passing was easily news to just about everyone in the entertainment sector. He's going to posthumously appear in the project's 1242 Gateway to the West, and Casino in Ischia. There's been no indication from Filoni on the plans for the character of Balin Scroll. I think this happened early enough in production of Filoni's movie that were Balin to initially be part of his plan, well, they can just alter it now. Dave Filoni may 
answer questions closer to the release of Ahsoka about the fate of Braylon Scroll, maybe even in the show, but not if it figures heavily in the story plot. The path of the dark side usually elevates the apprentice, you know, over the master. And that's probably what's going to happen with Ivano Sakno's shin. What about Grand Admiral Thrawn? Well, Filoni has stated that he's not just a villain in the series, but perhaps he's the main villain of this entire era or age of Star Wars content. According to the Empire magazine spread in the summer edition, Filoni is painting him with the same colors as Timothy Zahn's book series. I mean, he's still going to be blue and a chiss. I don't mean like that. I mean, as in Filoni's Rebels series, Thrawn is the bad guy. He's the target during the New Republic era. That means the movie Filoni is making, probably the next season of The Mandalorian and any other projects that get set between The Mandalorian Season 1 and I'm guessing Force Awakens, will either be directly impacted by Heir to the Empire or show the fallout from what I can only assume is Thrawn's eventual demise, since we don't see or hear from him in any way in the sequel trilogy. And we were led to believe at one time, like, oh, well... This faction of the Empire has been brewing and and no one believes it. You know, Leia is the only one who's calling it to... Well, if Thrawn's around, that makes it a lot less likely that it was just some passive or, you know, that, that people thought Leia was crazy. It was more like corruption probably was what kept the New Republic from acting on Leia's information, right? There's no doubt... Lars Mikkelsen portraying him in live action just as he had provided the voice is going to be something special to see and hear. We're going to hear now the voice from Rebels, the only voice we've ever heard from as Thrawn, in live action. And Mikkelsen told Entertainment Weekly, hearing the response of fans to the announcement of him as the character got tears to well up for him at Celebration. And I think the quote was that he feels enormous gratitude. Someone who has not been announced for the series is Temuera Morrison. Not to play Boba Fett, mind you, but to play Captain Rex. One Take News reports Morrison has been cast as the aging clone and friend to Ahsoka Tano in the new series. How much he might appear, how he might figure into the plot, that's going to have to wait. Or for, I, for one, like hearing this. Tem has been a terrific ambassador for Star Wars, if you ask me. And giving him more work seems like a win. This is the way. This is the way. I wondered about whether to include this next note uh, in our collector's corner of the podcast or here. But clearly, here's going to win out because I'm talking about it. Cat lovers who love Star Wars may want to keep an eye out this Christmas. Because Empire Magazine's article, the one I mentioned earlier in the podcast, revealed something about the cute loaf cat featured in the Ahsoka trailer. It's animatronic. It's not all animated. So like Grogu, our little green friend, a toy version figures to be a big seller this winter. I'm not saying one has been announced. But Disney is pretty much in the business of selling toys based on IP. And if it made an animatronic figure, I think of that as a way, like, let's see what we can do. Let's see what we could sell based on this, rather than just animating all of the the Loathcats, like the one in The Mandalorian, either, I think it was Season 1, Episode 4. You know, they own this IP. 
So I would really be surprised if we don't see a toy based on the Lothcat. I would like that. One more note on Ahsoka from the Empire Magazine feature that goes well with reports from Celebration people watching at home may not have heard. Natasha Lou Bordizo, the actress playing Sabine Wren, practiced and trained extensively with lightsabers. Yes, she's a Mandalorian, and it would seem then that despite the Darksaber's destruction at the end of Season 3 of The Mandalorian, Sabine is not done wielding weapons of the Jedi. Attendees at Celebration seem to know she not only ignites a green lightsaber, but uses it in battle with the villainous Shin Hati, the reddish-orange-blade-wielding character played by Ivana Sakno, the apprentice to Balin Scroll. There is more in the article, but when I start having to report second-hand knowledge, it's probably time to let the actual articles do the work. This is a new beginning. The Acolyte series is still in production, so I get the impression that the writing, good or bad, is not going to see any changes at least not until the Writer's Guild strike is over. That means any changes to dialogue will probably have to happen in ADR. The showrunner, Leslie Headland is starting to worry me with her comments. I know in the past I've said I'm going to wait and see, but she says she identified with queer-coded characters growing up, and she referenced Ursula from The Little Mermaid. She joked... The elevator pitch for Acolyte was Frozen meets Kill Bill. She says, There will be queer campiness, but also tonally darker material. I'm officially not looking forward to the Acolyte based on those comments. Nothing about that sounds like a show that was made for me. (laughs) The only hope in my eyes is that she's fired soon, There's a complete rewrite, and any usable footage is reworked into something entirely different from what she is describing as her motivation. Maybe it's not as bad as she represents this. I'm going to continue to follow news about the show, but now my impression is that it's not going to be very different from what she describes. Time will tell, but this is a real bummer to me. Your lies... Andor Season 2 may be continuing production through the Writers Guild strike, but showrunner Tony Gilroy is pausing his contributions in a show of solidarity. How can that be? Well, Gilroy indicated his work on the scripts finished days before the strike hit. Now, honestly, that might just be cover, since work on the show is taking place in Europe, The Guild may never find out if that is true or not. Gilroy, as showrunner, supposedly is only nominally contributing to the writing since he's hired others to do the bulk of it. But if they finished, and he looked them over, crossed T's, dotted I's, it is feasible. Why would I care so much if it's only tentatively slated for August of next year? Well, Andor was a smash hit critically even if ratings didn't bear it out. I love the show. I think it's the best one Disney and Lucasfilm have produced, even if The Mandalorian remains my favorite. And that's only probably because of the show's first and second, 
Well, first and some of the second, rather. Yeah, I know, the third wasn't that great. But Andor was great for so many reasons. In fact, it was not just well-written, acted, and produced. It was deemed socially responsible since it was awarded a Peabody Award in May. Allow me to quote from the 83rd Peabody Awards website, and you can also read it there or at StarWarsNews.net. Few other long-running franchises loom as large in today's contemporary pop culture imagination than Star Wars. Yet amid stories of destiny-driven heroes and doomed super-powered villains, Tony Gilroy's Andor tackles that familiar galaxy with plenty of spectacle, but also a keen-eyed commitment to mirroring our own mundane trials and tribulations as it follows scavenger Cashin Andor, Diego Luna, who unwittingly becomes radicalized in the wake of a police state intent on crushing any and all signs of the Rebel Alliance. Again, it is the best Star Wars show on Disney+. Plus. Uh, that last line is mine, not from the Peabody Awards. Everyone has their own rebellion. Right. If we do not stand together, we will be crushed. The Skeleton Crew show seems to be having production issues. Making StarWars.net indicated some of the crew have felt disrespected, underappreciated, and disposable. The site reports their source indicated some of the crew left and have said they won't ever work on a Star Wars project again. I worked in sports broadcasting, and toward the end of my tenure at my last station, that's kind of how I was treated. It was kind of like, you're lucky to be here. We can get someone younger. We can get someone that's willing to put up with a lot more garbage from us and a lot less pay. It feels like we're about at that stage with Star Wars, and I really feel for the crew. If you're not a computer animator or actor or one of the chosen few that adhere to Disney's new policies, you're lucky to have this job, so shut up. We shall see. We shall see. I don't usually do this, but I'll mention again. This is a report from MakingStarWars.net. Now, I think it's credible based on some internet research and a personal contact who shall remain nameless. It's not all doom and gloom, though. That same website indicated it will indeed follow a Goonies and Star Wars approach, specifically likening Jude Law's character to Bran from Goonies, the older brother of Sean Astin's character in the movie that was played by a young Josh Brolin. Also, the list of aliens supposedly spotted in set photos included a greatest hits list, Rodians, Moncala, Clatoonians, and a Weequay wearing goggles. So, are any of these characters Hondo Anaka? Well, maybe. The kids in the show are said to be trying to evade pirates that are going after treasure. So, if Hondo Anaka is alive during that timeline, that would be one of the more prominent alien pirates operating, I would believe. Showrunner for Skeleton Crew is John Watts, the Tom Holland-led live-action Spider-Man movie director. And writers have been revealed thanks to a Writers Guild website post. Episodes 1 through 4 and 7 and 8 will be co-written by Watts and Christopher Ford. Episodes 5 and 6 will be Myung Jo Wesner's All By Her Lonesome. 
Ford's biggest credit is the screenplay of Spider-Man Homecoming. Wesner's is going to be this show. There was one other news item I noticed from making Star Wars, and it regards characters that may appear in the show. It was revealed we will probably end up hearing about the Knight Sisters, but I get the impression it's going to be different from the ones from Dathomir because I think they're going to probably be mentioned like the stuff of nightmares to spook the kids. There wasn't a lot of details about why the Night Sisters were going to be involved, but that seems to me to be the kind of thing that, that they'd be brought in to represent. Do you ever want to do anything exciting? Speaking of Night Sisters, have you played Star Wars Jedi Survivor yet? I won't divulge plot spoilers except to say personally, I have very much enjoyed seeing videos online featuring Night Sister Marin and Cal, well, getting along really well. I don't want to say much more, but I'm pleased not everything has to be woke with Star Wars these days. It's not surprising if you consider the demographic of video gamers is... Well, there certainly are gamers that fit more liberal politics, but considering gaming media loves to remind everyone how bigoted, racist, toxic, chauvinistic... I mean, keeping the main character in a traditional gender role seems more likely as a business decision rather than woke politics. Now, what was surprising, at least to me, was Star Wars Twitter hasn't been riled up over this imaginary ship between Cal and some other male, or Merrin and another female. I mean, it's almost refreshing to just see the male Cal and the female Merrin getting along well and not this uproar. Because Star Wars social media at times is just terrible. I know what I want now. Took you long enough. Are you a Fortnite gamer? You may have noticed earlier in the month purchasable missions to unlock a Darth Maul character skin, among other things. But the time has passed to purchase it. And unlock that content. And I know about this firsthand. I did not play enough to unlock them all. And there's no guarantee that will ever be available in the future. Now, I did purchase the Clone Trooper skins. I think there's a 212th and 501st edition. And I unlocked Ahsoka Troopers and the Wolfpack Trooper skins. But if you did not purchase the mission pack, your only hope is going to be a rerun of the event or the ability to purchase the ones you missed. Finally, in video game news, I want to mention a rumor making the rounds on Reddit, Kotaku, Star Wars community, social media, aggregators like StarWarsNews.net. The open world Ubisoft Star Wars game may be closer to a release than maybe even the Eclipse game from Quantic Dreams. The Ubisoft game might be available in early 2024. The game is being built on the Snowdrop game engine by Massive Entertainment, and unconfirmed reports liken it to the game No Man's Sky which features AI-generated planets and landscapes rather than Massive's biggest hit, The Division. Those are two totally different games. Eclipse, by the way, has not made significant news since last September. Millennium Falcon from Kenner's Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back collection. Action figures each sold separately. Okay, collectors, there will be an English-language version of the Mandalorian manga that has been releasing in Japan for about a year now. Manga or manga is Japanese graphic novels, comics, but Viz Media is producing an omnibus collection that will be available this fall for about $15.
There's a new card game coming out in 2024 with randomized packs of cards for the game, and the developer is Fantasy Flight Games. It will be called Star Wars Unlimited, and what it sounds like is Magic the Gathering or Pokemon to me, which is why I'm including it in the collector's section of our podcast. The only part that interests me seems to be the artwork and what eras are going to end up being featured. In other words, I'll give away anything I get from Canto Bite or Crate, but keep the Tatooine, Hoth, and Endor cards. It's a treasure for the true aficionado. Action figure collectors might be very happy to have a vintage collection edition of Luke with Backpack Grogu this fall. If you're a Rebels or Obi-Wan Kenobi series fan, the vintage collection Grand Inquisitor might make a nice addition. You'll have to wait if you collect Ewoks, as a vintage collection set of Wicket and Nisa won't be available until spring of 2024. There is, however, a Black Series edition of Wicket coming out this winter, along with several other editions to that Hasbro series. Darth Malgus, for example, Battle Damage General Grievous, Padawan Ahsoka Tano, Phase 2 Clone Trooper, a Magna Guard, and a Chewbacca, all winter 2023 releases from Hasbro. Wait a little longer, spring 2024, and there will be a Black Series Glavis Ringworld edition of Din Djarin with Ignited Darksaber Accessory. Just pointing it out. And I like to end this segment with electronic helmets if ones are available because these did not exist when I was a kid, but wow, would I have loved them. And you just know there's some lucky kid out there with a bunch of different ones like Vader or Captain Teva or Scout Trooper, and they're just broken on the closet floor. They don't even play with them. The kid just doesn't even appreciate having them one bit, and I'd be like, I would love this. This would be so great. Well, this winter there's going to be an Axe Wove's Premium electronic helmet for $131.99 if you can spare it. Now, Axe Woves may not be the biggest hero in the universe, but he wasn't a traitor, as we thought he might have been up until the last episode of Season 3. And this helmet, it's blue and gray. Didn't sound like there were any voice phrases available, though. So Simon Cassianides doesn't get any royalties from that, I suppose. Just some LEDs. And a moving rangefinder, which is cool enough to me. Just one more thing. Disney Parks news time, and Galactic Star Cruiser is shutting down. Disney World will no longer offer stays after September of this year, and paused bookings briefly in mid to late May, so they could first contact people who had booked stays after the closing date to see if rescheduling to low occupancy dates this summer would work for those customers first. Those bookings were said to be discounted and Disney would be honoring any other discounts secured at the time of booking. Moving forward, there will be no more discounts at the soon-to-be-defunct hotel in the Disney Springs and Disney Hollywood Studios area of the Disney World Resort. I think... They're hoping to renew interest since it's now a limited time offering, not to make money to keep it afloat, but just to make more money off of the the dates they have remaining. There have been rumors about what will happen with the building, 
Uh, I think one was said that they were considering rebranding it to the Mandalorian era, but one of the most often cited criticisms was the size of the rooms, and with the theming already in that building, it would be surprising for them to throw more money at something that's already losing them money. It wasn't the all the other stuff going on. It was like you're paying all this money, and then your beds are and the rooms are small, and the beds are small. And I know it's designed sometimes to get you to go out, but it's not a real cruise. And, you know, (laughs) you're booking it as a cruise hotel, cruise-like stay, but not offering all of the amenities that a real cruise has. I mean, you got the Lido deck and the pools and fine dining and things like that. And this was just a doomed idea from the start if you're not going to be offering all of those things in-house and the only way to offer people is to take a box truck, two by two, and then that's even, you're getting nickel and dimed over there. So it's really, it's not like a real cruise, but they really kind of thought they were doing, thought they had this great idea, and it was really poorly executed. This is the way podcasts never got to travel there, mind you. But we will not be paying full price having heard and read reviews and seen the videos. No, I won't go. I am not someone in a position to give insider information or even a well-informed take on this development because, again, haven't gone. But if this is a trip you want to take and you've been waiting for a time when it's no longer de rigueur, well, get a move on it. Because there are limited spaces, limited time, and believe it or not, Some people have already been twice already, and they intend to go again before it closes for good. I'm just saying, know what you're paying for in advance. I would be wary of trying to buy Galactic Star Cruiser merchandise in bulk, though. Maybe you pack away one or two items with the branding on it. Maybe that's worth taking a chance on, but I'm a big Star Wars fan. And after watching all YouTubers post their visits, this was never going to be a smart vacation investment for me. And I personally don't want any collector's items from this place at all. Uh, That said, those are usually the things that end up being worth something in the future. It's like nobody wants them. Nobody wants to keep them uh, in the time. And then later on down the road, you say, oh, I actually went to Galactic Star Cruiser and I actually have this pin That's exclusive to there, and now it's a collector's item. So just be, again, be aware of what you're spending four to six grand on. It's not a real cruise, even if they build it that way. It doesn't even come close to all the amenities that an actual cruise has. And once again, when you go on this trip, your excursions are not, there's no way that you can get them included or all included. You are paying for Disney merchandise at Batu. You you yeah, sure you can walk around the rest of the park and go wherever you want, but this is still just a way to get you to plunk down money and no matter how great the actors and um crew members that are there in the Galactic Star Cruise area, no matter how great it is, you are confined to this one little area, very small and your, all your options from dining, drinks, fun, are limited. So, just be aware. I think we can let him off with a warning this time. Thanks, Captain. Now, if you think I've missed something or you disagree with me, send email to thisisthewaypodcast at gmail.com. I can take it. 
You know, if it's thoughtful, I'll do my best to answer your comments in a future podcast. If it's pointless trolling, good luck with that. How else can you interact? All our links can be found in one place at linktr.ee forward slash this is the way pod. Our Twitter and Instagram links are there at this is the way pod, as well as our links to YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, Apple Podcasts, Spotify podcast portals. And thanks for joining me for this May 2023 news update. Next up, no idea. Maybe the Bad Batch Season 2 second half recap? The only reason I say maybe is because unlike some Star Wars content creators, I was not impressed enough to feel coverage was urgent. It's still something I watched, still something I intend to cover, but it is not my priority. So, until our next episode, this is the way... And may the force be with you, always. Always.